start the show, guys. Start the show. Well, that's how the show's starting this week, guys. Welcome to Game of Thrones. This is a Game of Thrones podcast. We are in week four of said Game of Thrones podcast, which is called Game of Owns. I'm your host again for two weeks in a row for some reason. They threw me under the wagon wheels with the chariot blades for this one. My name is Zach Louie. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. I'm Selena Wilkin from Hyperbull.com. And I'm Terrence Pinkston from GameofOwns.com. I'm Zach Louie from Planet Earth. How are you all today? <laughs> hey, uh, Micah, I have a quick question before we go into the show. Uh, Tannenbaum, are you kin to the uh, ones from the popular Wes Anderson film that was extra indie, much like you are yourself, the Royal Tannenbaums? Are you kin to them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's yeah. why I, uh, I'm able to podcast from this a huge mansion in uh, upstate New York. <laughs> well, that's weird because uh, when before we started the show, you we were you were messaging me privately, and you were like, "Dude, I can't host the call. My internet is shitty." So I'm wondering why you guys have such a bad connection if you have so much money. Well, we're so far away from everybody else that mm-hmm. the internet, you know, it's it's questionable. It takes a truck like five hours just to get out to our place from the the main city. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're blaming it on your geographic location. Yeah, is what pretty you're saying. much. Oh, that makes sense. How are you guys doing? How is everyone? And uh, when I say everyone, I'm just speaking about Selena in uh, particular. Because yeah. we know how we know how Mike is, and I'm about to get to how Eric and Terrence are. How are you, Selena? I'm great. You know, I just absolutely love being up in the middle of the night recording these shows. So <laughs> <laughs> What <laughs> time is it there right now? Great, um, it's 2.30 in the morning, so you can expect lots of great and honest opinion because my filter died about an hour ago. Oh, that's perfect. So. That is wonderful. <laughs> Unrated. We we broke your 2 a.m. cherry. All of us have oh, recorded a podcast did. around that time before. Oh, yes. It has happened once or twice, a few times, I assume. Speaking of podcasts and other podcasts, uh, how are you, Eric <laughs> and Terrence? How have you been this weekend? Uh, we've uh, been uh, just kind of <laughs> chilling. We, I don't know. What do we do over the weekend, Terrence? Nothing... Nothing uh, too n- too interesting, right? Nothing too nothing. exciting. Last night was really exciting. Um, oh we, yeah, we oh, wow. comparatively, <laughs> comparatively speaking to the rest of the weekend, right? Oh last, yeah. Last night, dude, we we started Mario sixty four from the beginning, and we have ninety six stars and counting right now. Holy shit! Prior to bed, man, we got to the clock level. We got some secret stars in there. All three switch caps. We were rocking through. We were powering through that game. And, uh, yeah, we're back in Chicago after a weekend that was awesome. We spent it in St. Louis with none other than this show's host, Zach. And we had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, was, it, was, was it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. My other podcast edition had our first ever live show celebrating our year anniversary. Can I give a small little little round of applause to my other goo hosts? Just a tiny one. Yeah, that was, you won't confuse one. that with the, uh, with the clapping we did at the end of the, at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Not, not, <laughs> not if Micah didn't do this again. I actually, I actually made fun of you when we were recording edition, like the intro for the episode earlier today. I was like, "Dudes, you'll never get at this." Micah, uh, he claps like a fish from Finding Nemo. You'll never, you'll never guess. <laughs> anyway, well, I was uh, just going to ask you if I clap. Can I clap more than once now, though, or is that prohibited? Also, it's prohibited only when I ask because it helps sync the audio. Micah, you know this. No, no, I'm saying now though. When you're saying, "Can I get a round of applause?" Can I, can I clap more than once, or do I have to just limit it to one clap? Go ahead and clap, Micah. There you go. Slow clap. That's great. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. I'll link up the the episode of that podcast in the show notes. But it was good. You guys might like it. Uh, I guess we could kind of meander 
to the place that we we were supposed to meander. What happened this week, everybody? Don't all shout at once. Tyrion got imp slapped. Oh, shit. <laughs> Actually, twice. He got physically pushed over by his sister. Yeah. And yeah. then that uh, that lady he, who was, he was spending his company with uh, kind of denied the role that he had set for her. You guys are recording together. You're both north of the wall. Am I correct? Yeah. Sure. I don't know. I might be north. I'm on the other side of the wall. And by that, I mean I'm in my I'm, stairwell. I'm in, yeah, I'm in Skullstorm right now. Skullstone. Skullstone, not Dragonstone, like yeah, every other fantasy Skullstone. genre. Skullstone, yeah. This episode, every single scene, there was like an important moment, a heart-to-heart, and you really got this huge amount of humanity coming from everybody, all sides. There were these these characters that you didn't know were sympathetic, would have these moments with other characters. And like uh, the Grandmaster didn't kill... Jon Snow for defying, you know, and, and getting them in trouble. Man, I was just, from that moment on, I was just like, man, this episode's all about the love and the humanity. And then it just, Aww. it didn't disappoint. <laughs> the humanity. This was a great episode, wasn't it? Yeah, like, no, I, I really, loved really loved it. I thought it was the best episode so far of the season. You know, we talked a little mm-hmm. bit about the last few episodes, how it was a little bit slow. They were kind of laying the groundwork and getting us started after uh, what happened with season one, but I really felt like this was the most intense kind of action pil- action-packed episode really to date for season two. Which, you said action-packed because I, I feel like there was less, on the whole, less action. Mm, in- not not in this season. This is I think this is the only ep- the first episode that's actually had like swords and shields and killing, other than the first uh, the ga- the games from the first scene of the of the uh, opener of the season that's opener. A- it felt, though, to me, it felt that it was much more character-driven, uh, which is no, interesting. You did. Yeah, you're right. No, you had a lot of character development in this episode, but I do think yeah. you got more action than you have. I mean, you had the scene with Yorin, uh, and you had the uh, the fight between Brienne and Loras Tyrell, and uh, you know a couple of other things here and there, but I think overall... It was kind of the most complete episode, at least in my opinion. Um, I think the thing about the action, though, that um, what Eric is saying is that because it was so character-driven, even when they were fighting, you were sort of focusing on the characters' emotions about it, as opposed to focusing on the fighting itself. Like in the big fight scene with Yorin and them, it was all about Arya's response to what was going on, as opposed to just like hack slash action, which I think made it better because, as you say. Um, I could, it made it more complete. Well, you guys, you guys got to also think about this: is it's about time that we get an episode like this. What next week is halfway mm. through the season already. No, oh wait, no, it's episode four but, next week, right? But we we had talked about we had talked about the pacing and everything like that. Well, are we on episode four? Hang on. No, this was episode three. Oh, okay, yeah, my three. bad. You're getting okay, confused so by episodes weeks. of our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, so two <laughs> weeks. Um, anyway, anyway. Um, so it's about time. We talked about last week how everything was building up. Well, they're to a point right now where they're starting to build up and build up even more. And before we know it, it will be mid-season. And, and then it'll be, you know, everything from there is usually downhill at a very, very fast pace. I mean, everything from last season was from uh, the series getting gold poured on his head everything from then on 
was just like a downhill roller coaster. Super depressing. <laughs> right. So what you're saying is we're used to all of this crazy action, but yet we're started again on the beginning of a new season, right? Right. We're starting to get a feel for the pacing. Well, I mean, that's the mechanic of any television show. They're not going to – I mean, unless you're watching 24, which even then it still kind of has its own lull. Like no TV show is going to just throw you into some bullshit. Like even like Battlestar, which is, gets pretty crazy around the transition between season three and four – will relax for an episode or two or and let you catch up or let the new people sort of get accustomed to what's about to happen. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing right now because they're building a whole lot because they're not only building what from what happened in, in book one, you know, they're they're covering this next book and there's so much shit that's happening. And like we've said before, they're pulling in so many different timelines that it can't really be what it was thought to be. You know what I'm saying? Right. How else, exactly. how else do we compare these episodes to each other? Like, was there less sex in this episode than there was in other episodes? Yeah. Mm, well, yeah. less was less there? girl on girl. I mean, less guy on girl action and more guy on guy. <laughs> is that how you this guys? This is the perfect time really? to bring up the SNL sketch. This is the perfect time to bring up that yeah, sketch. That was so What's funny. that? Uh, Andy Samberg played a character that was, um, and it was a whole like sort of riff on the HBO behind the scenes stuff, and we'll put it in the show notes in this news post. Um, but um, it was a riff on HBO behind the scenes where Debbie Hoff and Weiss get on there and they're like, oh, this is what happened in the Game of Thrones this week. The Thrones was – there was a game for it. And they like have a you know, description of the, the episode and they get into the characters and Tyrion's like, I really like my character. He's small and he's good. You know, and they talk <laughs> and it's really fun. But the guy who played R.R. Martin was like, oh, well, we've got this – you know, he's a creative consultant and he makes the episode so good. And it was like, he's supposed to be the 13 year old kid. It was Andy Sandberg. He's like a 13 year old (laughs) Jewish kid. And he's like, I remember particularly this scene where this guy was talking to himself and he's talking about, you know, the big scene from last season where Littlefinger was given his whole dialogue about liking Catelyn Stark so much. Yes. And he was like, and I just thought this was so boring. So what I did was threw two girls in the back, totally naked, going at it. And it just became an actually a good... It makes so much sense. Oh, it's so well. good. So good. And I, I know that we, it's probably... That's not what you guys want us to dissect on the show or whatever. And whatever. It was so funny, though. You should all watch it, definitely. Yeah, definitely watch it. It was some good shit. But it was good. No, I... I I Mike had texted me before I watched this because I was actually coming back from the live show and I watched it that Sunday night on, on HBO Go, and um, I was just like, "Man, this really is a good episode." He he texted me and was like, "Hey, this is the best episode so far," and so I watched it and it was excellent. And I saw exactly what you guys were saying, just like this pacing between each scene and each scene. It's like everything was just cut out, and it was like, "Hey, here's a heart to heart." Hey, here's a heart to heart. Hey, here's a heart to heart. You know what I'm saying? Here's yeah. the Grand yeah. Meister yeah. getting. Action for the second scene. uh, I know, right? In the series. I know. When he pulls out of that room, uh, when he walks out of that room, it was a good (laughs) That was so sad, though. I felt so uncomfortable with that. Well, what about last season when you see him get all sprightly and he's like popping his back after that girl leaves and you're like, man, she's old enough to be his great, great granddaughter. Well, honestly, it wasn't so much that. It was more like the way that they like... They they treat him because I know that he's obviously as we're gonna talk about he's obviously like a kind of a bad guy but I I just because he's so old I felt so bad yeah. for him. Well, I know, but age doesn't age doesn't allow you to be a slime ball. You oh know no, what I'm of course. What I liked was that they were it's talking about um, you know that scene with the confrontation there. They were talking about the past king's hands, you know, hand of the king, and how they've been betrayed. Um, you know, and that and that Tyrion had set this trap, you know. In this episode, yeah. this, this little subplot, he runs around setting the trap. It's super well done. 
you know what's happening immediately. I mean, after after you, the the first shock where somebody else is in the room, you know, than than was a moment before. But you get the idea of setting this trap, and you wait to you know. Thank God we didn't have to wait another episode to see it unfold. You know, within the confines of this episode, with everything else happening, Tyrion starts and finishes, you know, what he sets out to do, which is really cool. I was afraid because I really thought, like, we were going to have to wait episodes and episodes to see what happened with this. You know what I mean? Because I haven't read this far yet, so I don't know any of this. This is all new to me. Oh. I was like, I was like, this is some genius shit. I really like this, you know? So it was cool. What was so great about it, I felt, was that obviously it was great because Tyrion was awesome, as usual. But it was also great because they... You know, oftentimes in TV shows, when they pull stuff like this, they have to make it really obvious to make sure the audience understands. But I felt like in this case, the writers, they really weren't speaking down to the audience because they were saying, okay, we know that our audience can remember like five minutes back, so we don't have to make it blatantly obvious, like the different stories he was telling people, which I quite liked because I felt felt intelligent. The editing, I was going to say, was awesome. The way that they were able to kind of put yeah. that all together, where it went from being Pycelle to Varys to Littlefinger. It was just, it was really, really well done. And I yeah. think also you get to yeah. see how Tyrion is really manipulating power now and starting to assert himself in King's Landing as the Hand of the King. I mean, everything that he's done up to this point and now... He's he's slowly also, if you notice, taking out those that are very loyal to his sister. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great because it was interesting because seeing him do that is much different than seeing all the other assholes doing even less. You you hate them so much. You see Tyrion do it and you're like, you go get it, man. Kick some ass while yeah. you're doing that. Yeah. Maybe, you know, save someone from getting beheaded. Fish, though. Well, even even to the characters, every one of those scenarios was plausible. The way that Tyrion told those stories, he could have been giving, you know, Cersei's daughter to any of those people for any of those reasons. And it kind of, just to me, it brought out how wide the world is, how anything might happen. You know, because those three scenarios were equally plausible, at least enough for each of those people to believe them. You know, right. you know, though, you know enough to Do be, you think to be Varys true. believed him, though? Eric, mm. do you really think Varys believed him? Because he was the one that I don't well, think really bought into it. Okay, but but look at the scene afterwards where he's mm. where he's congratulating Tyrion on uh, you know the game well played, as opposed to Littlefinger's response, which is "Don't ever include me in that kind of stuff ever again." Right. You know, because he, he's he he can't he is hoodwinked. Sort of. Um, I think he bought into it initially, but I think that's kind of why the different responses are so, you know, they make so much sense because, Ver- like, Varys now respects Tyrion a lot more. I think he sees him as a worthy player of the game, if you will. And I think that's why, you know, even though he sort of, he he bought it, that that's good because that means that Varys now has another another person there who isn't just stupid, you know what I mean? That he can use... For his own purposes, because Tyrion is actually intelligent, and I think that alliance between them, while neither of them obviously trust each other, it's going to, you know, you know what I mean. It's going to be sort of cool. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, see. definitely. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. I get less annoyed when I'm when I'm watching the show and I don't see a bunch of dunderheads walking around about to get themselves killed, which is what happened to Ned. You know, I, I think it's the oh, bullshitter, like bullshitting, <laughs> bullshitter. 
Oh, I like Ned too, but you know what I mean? Like, doesn't it? It's like you get those moments where you want to scream at the TV, like, don't trust him. He just said, don't trust him. Yeah. You get less of those when you've got people like Tyrion running the show. <laughs> yeah. Because he'll just throw shit at you. I think it's because, you know, it's good that Tyrion knows that Varys is like that, you know? And, and I, I don't think Tyrion's going to let his guard down the same way that Ned Stark did in response to what Zach was saying. But to, to Selena's point, I think that you're seeing a relationship develop now also between Varys and Tyrion. And it's an important relationship because even though there may not be a whole lot of trust going on, I think you do have that respect between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, yeah, it's exactly. There is that respect. And I think that's what that's what's going to sort of play in down the line, you know? They, they can use each other on a higher plane than just as pawns. Not to transition so quickly, but we also got to see a lot more of Winterfell, which is what I was happy with. The entire sequence where it followed Hodor from outside in through the keep and into the <laughs> yeah. castle and into Bran's room. I think that finally you got to – who who was it? Eric, you don't know who Hodor is? Do you know who Hodor, Hodor is now? It's Yes, that was that was not only – that was not just a heart-to-heart. That, that scene was a Hodor-to-Hodor. Hodor. Right. You know, he's looking at himself and he goes, Hodor, but he's not recognizing himself. The camera's recognizing <laughs> hold on, himself, hold on. but he's introducing himself to the entire Game of Thrones audience. He's, he's Hodor. Just in case anyone missed it from the last season, you got it. Are you no, kidding? That's a big giant dire wolf. Yeah, and that I, must be a hard job. I thought job it was good though. I, he's smiling. Yeah, why <laughs> this not? Dire the dire wolf wolf's comes awesome. Towards him. I'm afraid though, with all the way that Brand's streaming, because I think that he may imprint soon. Not to mix fandoms, but I really think that he might do that. So I, I just oh, he's, no. he's, he's getting to that, that age. <laughs> Mike, don't pretend On like Hodor. you don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. It's from I Twilight. Read it's from Twilight. the Twilight yeah, Chronicles of Narnia, Micah. You'll movies. understand it. Okay, really? You haven't? Oh, my God. All right, we're going to no. have a slumber party, Micah. We're going to watch all of these films. <laughs> oh, God. I can't That's wait. That's one slumber party. I won't be upset if, you, if I'm not invited. Just do a commentary. We got to learn a lot of the, more yeah, about Mr. Lewin, which was awesome, because he got to speak a lot more than he did last season, much about himself, which I thought mm-hmm. was great, too. And um, Yeah, this, I think, was my favorite uh, scene with him and Bran. Absolutely. And it was interesting as well because, you know, they, they sort of mentioned um, old Nan, who, of course, the actress who played her, of course, passed away um, in season one. So it's interesting that they've sort of, instead of replacing her, they've just chosen to say she's still there, but she's not. Right. And Master Lewin has kind of taken over her role in terms of explaining things to Bran about the quote-unquote mythical creatures that aren't really mythical. Was anyone else um, reminded of the exposition I went on episodes ago? And Terrence, you brought this up at dinner one time this weekend, but they say they're living in this fictitious world where the way their particles have assumed, assimilated each other, they have magic. And Maester Lewin's talk, talking to Bran about magic, and he's like, hey, man, magic's gone. Magic has basically gone away. Mm-hmm. Like, do, do you guys think that the magic can actually go away or if that's some, they just have lost the ability to dick with it essentially? Yeah. Like, like we were talking about Zach, um, was that it's still there. It could possibly be there, but it, it's the ability to, to create some sort of a harness for it because the energy, no matter what energy is energy, energy is going to be everywhere, but to be able to use it and know how to use it, I think that's what has gotten lost. Well, we see small blips of it but with the communication that the Stark children have with all their direwolves, correct? Yes. But no one really believes that, though, which is significant. I think it's not so much that magic is gone from the world and people need to tell themselves that it is to keep them and their children feeling safe. I agree. And I, so, I, I liked the, the, the one scene that he had 
I forget exactly what the quote was, but I thought it was kind of cool placement by the writers of the show saying, I think, and, I, and again, I might get this wrong, but he said the dragons are dead, the giants are gone, and the children of the forest are forgotten, or some combination of those. But I thought it was such cool placement because you know that dragons aren't dead, and mm-hmm. you kind of have the feeling that giants are around somewhere, so... You know, without giving anything else away, I think it's just it was cool that they were able to kind of put that in there. Right. And what's the appeal? Hoping that of it comes into play later in, on. Have you seen Hodor? There's plenty of appeal to the ladies. I don't, I'm not I don't think he's Hodor. necessarily a giant. He, does he count as a giant? He's like I was going to say when yeah. I think of giants, I think of I think of uh, you know big big giants like Harry Potter countryside giants. I just don't think that that. Is something that's there was appealing a countryside giant. Countryside All right, that sounds like a as rock band. As far as band. mythical creatures go, they could do something more interesting. Next to Children of the Forest, giants just seems dumb because you're like, oh, Children of the Forest, they're forgotten. What are they? Right. Like I'm super excited about the Children of the Forest. Giants, eh, not so much. I think they just needed a yeah, second. Yeah, I don't care thing. about the- unless they're in the books. Mm. I was just going to say, I think that the appeal of the giants is the same as the appeal of the giants in Harry Potter. You know, they're kind of, you know, they don't really fit into the world, but as an as an attack force, they're useful just because they're big and strong. I think it's pretty much all that they are. Hodor's going to be sent and out the there with a And the same as Harry Potter, duck. it doesn't really make sense. That... He's not no, really a giant, though, it was just though, a dick he? joke, guys. Hodor's going to be sent out there oh. with uh, a, a dire wolf and to be sent to look for the giants. Okay, bad Harry Potter reference. Never yeah. mind. Yes. I can go on. <laughs> like I was thinking, you know, Hodor, oh. Hagrid, you know. Are you comparing oh, Hodor to Hagrid? <laughs> yes. That is the worst thing That's I've ever heard. That's not a bad comparison, actually. <laughs> I was saying he was like Hagrid, like partially giant, wow. but not like like him. Oh, God. Well, Hagrid wasn't too bright, and Hodor can only say one word, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right, because they're completely <laughs> similar. You're going to get burnt at the stake, my friend. <laughs> I mean, I mean, can you imagine Hodor and Hagrid having a conversation? Like dragons, uh, and then you hear Hodor going, Hodor. Dragons, Hodor. <laughs> That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Would that happen no matter who Hodor had a conversation with? <laughs> That's true, Micah. Valid point. Let's true. move on before anyone ruins their relationship with another fandom and gets burned at the stake any faster and talk about how bad of a badass Renly Baratheon was just at the beginning of the scene that Catelyn Stark walked into and started to talk to him. I thought it was awesome. I thought Renly was a total badass. Really? What do you mean? How could you even look at Renly? Well, I'm in talking about. I'm talking about. I mean, you know that shit with Brienne happened, right? 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 All right, and we'll get to okay. that. But I just wanted to say, like, I thought it was yeah, just Renly's cool. Awesome. It was cool. I like she Renly. walks in and she's like, she says, "King in the North," and he's like, "Okay, whatever." Like, she, he liked Ned. He's a he's a stand up dude, and he was like, "Listen, Catelyn." I'm going to kill that bastard. We're going to bring his head to you. You're cool with me. Just hang out. Let's chill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, my eyes were on right. And I got to say, like, out of all the candidates right now, um, out of all the candidates right now, I, I'm on Team Renly. Like, I absolutely think that, first of all, he technically has the most claim, you know, way more claim than Rob. Rob doesn't have any claim to the throne. He's just sort of decided to run for king. Um <laughs> And also, Renly's just awesome. Yeah, but Rob only wants to be him. king in the north. That's different than taking the whole of Westeros. That's true. That is. Yeah, I think Renly. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know if he. Uh, I can't. Uh, never mind. I'm not even. We'll, we'll get to him later. 
<laughs> I yeah, my eyes were on my eyes were on Renly in that scene in the in the opening scene as well. Um, because he he just seems to have this life about him, like him and um, you know, Theon are both I think you know two young men who are are just in general like you kind of care about everything that happens to them. Um, and not, that's not to say that it separates really? them from yeah. different characters, <laughs> but I'm saying in general, like those are the two guys I'm watching the most on this show because, you know, I, I connect their plights together, but I don't know. It's weird that that, that guy, you know, Renly is, you know, has the most power right now in all the Westeros. And yet he hasn't ever slept with his wife of two weeks and he's in a, he's in a real personal situation. Uh, you know, regarding that, but yet he is the one who's most currently, you know, in power of most of, of, he is the most men. Wait, er Eric, did you say Theon also? Yeah, Theon is, is. Okay, give Theon a couple of episodes and we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this. Yeah, no shit, right? Tell me how much you like him. I haven't even read it, but I see a feel for him moving (laughs) moving forward. But he had that scene where, I mean, he screamed at his father, you you sold me, you gave me away, you didn't even want me. It was like a dog. Yeah, he was like, oh my, this is my heartbreaking. He owned Balin Greyjoy, but they're both dickheads. And I like Theon, but he's still a dickhead. Uh, I don't know yet. I think Theon is though a, a matter of circumstance. He is sort of a, a victim of circumstance because I think in that not we're kind of jumping ahead now, but in that scene, like I do see what Eric is saying. I think that there's no win for Theon. The, his family has completely disowned him, but it's still the family that he feels loyal to. So I definitely see that, but I I don't think that like you you guys know how right. I feel okay, about well, Theon. <laughs> I'm gonna do this for you, Shana, so. since you've been tweeting a storm about this today. Before we start talking about. The Greyjoys, please, please, please tell everyone and confess your love to this tall woman. <sighs> okay, I will do, you guys. <laughs> Let's stop talking about Renly and, you know, Jon Snow and all the other hot men on the show because <laughs> Brienne is here and, <laughs> and I love her and she's way taller than all the men anyway. No, um... Seriously though, how how badass of an entrance was that? I mean, she is just so badass. That is like female empowerment. To the I, I don't know zillions. about that. Oh, I don't know I about her. that. I think because because she says well, to not Catalan, yet, but... I'm not really a woman or I'm not really a lady. Well, and, she's and not I'm saying that like... she's not like a female lady. And those times mean like like it's like a knight version of a girl. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. I was just like, okay, she doesn't yeah. associate with herself with you know the ladies like Catalan. So I. I I understood that, but no, I was like, no, but- I, I like the, um, I like the lipstick warriors, you know. You like the well? Did you not ladies? see the parallel that she was drawing? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know, Catelyn and her eyes between Arya and Brienne, just in that like exact moment. That's a mechanic of the literature yeah. right there. Yeah, and the thing about like Brienne when you when when she says things like that, like you can see like the pain associated with that statement. You know, it's not because she doesn't want to be a lady; it's because. You know, they call her Brienne the Beauty, and I, I think the show is going to explore the I nature didn't see of that, that nickname in this episode. I think it's you know, coming on. from having not read, but... That is true. It is, it is hard to have some of these conversations, isn't it? Because don't want to be too... Jump too far ahead, but I, de- I definitely saw the pain in her eyes, and I think if you read the books, you saw it. I haven't read it yet, but she was she was a babe. I mean, she was really tall, but she still was a babe. Super tall. <laughs> I mean, like, in real life, she is so pretty. 
I'm she was pretty on the show. I mean, she hacked the shit out of the other pretty guy. You know what I mean? Just pretty, <laughs> pretty people knocking the hell <laughs> out of each people, other. Pretty people. Pretty people watching, and then Poor. Catelyn Stark comes out. How tall is she though? About six three. Yeah, Catelyn was yes, like a, a baby tall. doll next to her. Micah, I think I think you have a chance, Micah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I really do. <laughs> no, Just don't but, call uh, her a lady, right? Right, don't call her a lady. Although, you know what? You might be lucky with that because not many people sincerely call her a lady. Anyway, let's 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 pivot. Let's pivot back onto uh, the the Greyjoys, and you know who was it? Who was saying something really? Eric, you were going on about that scene. Why don't you? Go yeah, ahead and... man. Well, not only when he confronts his father, but following that scene when he's writing that letter to Rob Stark, or he's already written it, and I, I couldn't, I didn't freeze frame it or anything. I assume he's about to tell him kind of what his his father is planning, but then he decides to burn it instead. You know, that was a that was a character moment. That was that was a moment that was mm, he made his you know, choice yeah. kind of yeah he made his choice and his choice was to side with his family even though his dad gives him one ship and, and you know and gives his sister thirty of them his ship is named Sea Bitch and he has to go <laughs> he has to go and gut. He is that Seabiscuit's older brother or something? Tell me, tell me you guys thought of Seabiscuit when he said I that. I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. And then it made you I think did. of Spider-Man. Come on, don't yeah, lie. Yeah, and then I thought of Spider-Man. Then I was like, why am I thinking? And then I was thinking, why isn't Mary Jane Parker here among all these other ladies? Um, <laughs> see, we need see some more. Bitch. Game of Thrones, I love the show, but it needs more upside down in the rain kisses, I think. Sea Just bitch. in general. Sea <laughs> bitch. Now, so, is, anyway, it's, it's Yara that says that to him, also, right? Yeah, she's the sea bitch, man. Let's be honest here. Yeah, she she's is, totally. But the she's bitch. awesome as well. I mean, the girls on the show are great, and as well because you know they're not so over glamorized. Since I don't know how you guys are responding to that, but I love it. Listen, you're biased as hell. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I have to be. I'm the only girl on the show. Let's talk about glamorous women here for a second. What about Sansa? In this episode, because oh, I was shocked awesome. that they gave her more than two lines in this episode, and she actually had something to do. Sansa it's is she uh, she's hurting so much background. right now that she's taking her pain out on other people and all that other crap. And and here's something interesting that we learned: we learned that they don't have okay, since they don't have bathrooms and stuff like that, they have chamber pots. Did anybody else right. catch that? Okay. Well, do you expect them to have like toilets? <laughs> I well, no. I you know, I never thought of it like like that before. I always thought they just hung their ass out the side of the castle. No. And just, no. You know, no. It's called King's Landing for a reason. Exactly. That's why. <laughs> Be, beware of landings. Oh um, God! No, you guys planned that joke. I know you did. Don't no, lie to we me. totally did not. I would <laughs> no, not plan that joke. We didn't. We didn't. But no, um, Sensa, she's she's hurting so much right now, really, and and it's she's taking things out the wrong way on different people, and you know, somebody that's only told, being told what to do because obviously Shay doesn't want to be a handmaiden. She doesn't want to, you know, really do anything like that. Um, but I thought Sensa was kind of a bitch. Really, I didn't. I didn't think that at all. I think uh, me either. I, I I didn't think it because I, you know the thing of it is, is Sansa really by the end of that conversation she was she was lonely. It was very very apparent how lonely even to Shay how lonely she was, and so she was like, "Well, just brush my hair." You know, Sansa had her temper tantrum, you know, in front of Shay, but but you know, rightly so. And then she she didn't like say, like what Joffrey would have done is would have insulted and then killed Shay. Like, on the spot. Like, Sansa is fortunately a little bit smarter than that. A little bit better than that. 
So, and she accepted Shay's service. So, I mean, she's scared to death, man. Yeah. Her dad was just killed. She's got that blonde dude that's her definitely going to be impregnating her. Like, all they do is talk about how they're going to kill the rest of her family. Like, she's pissed <laughs> and sad. No, seriously. And, you know, she acted like she wasn't the best friend with Arya, but she's like, where's her pal now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Except yeah. the Mordain's gone. Life is shit for her right now. So it when is. someone when someone comes in and it's just like not doing her job, she's like, "Are you kidding me? Just brush my damn hair, all right? This is the only good thing about being a lady." You know what I mean? But I thought I thought it was an awesome dynamic though when you had Tommen say that he wouldn't like it if if Rob Stark was killed, and you know mm-hmm. th- it was just that whole conversation. You see, sort of how young and impressionable these kids are. And there was even a moment, I thought, where Cersei looked over at Sansa, and I forget what was being said, but you can almost see her feel bad for her a little bit, but then by the end of the conversation, she switched it back. So you saw that motherly instinct a little bit, but then she went back to being herself. And the thing about that scene was that you could tell that Cersei saw herself in Sansa, that whole being married away you know against your will being away from your family being away being married to someone that you really don't like and and entering in that into that loveless marriage i mean cersei knows all about that but i think like the brilliance well not you know i i know that she like you kidding me cersei knows all about that for sure she does Mm -hmm. no i I mean i'm saying that okay she may know about it but i mean we talked about this last episode too and and what were we supposed to be felt feeling sorry for cersei at that particular moment oh no absolutely well i I don't think but i I don't think cersei feels sorry for sansa at all during that dinner sequence the only time i saw cersei the only time i recall i should say seeing cersei's mother instinct was when Tyrion had threatened to, you know, when the word got out that her daughter would be married off. And then you see Cersei, you know, pretty much in tears saying, you know, you will not marry my only daughter. You know, father gave you this piece of paper, makes you think you can do this. You can't do that. You know, she's my only daughter. There is a moment, though, at the dinner, uh, Selena pointed out, it's when she's taught, when Sansa's talking about being married off to Joffrey, that you get this look from Cersei. And Mm. it's, it's, to the point that Selena was just making. It's it's very brief, but it's definitely there. I must have missed it, because I, all I see from Cersei when she looks at Sansa is like these, these hungry vulture eyes about ready to tear her up if she says one thing that's pro-Stark. Uh, again, that's just that's just how I yeah. I feel about and, those two. And I think you're you're right in the sense that Cersei is, you know, obviously what are, what are the Lannister words? It's something like family, honor, something else. Is she, clearly, you know, it's the Lannisters first and foremost, and Cersei is more than willing to, you know, sacrifice anything that comes in the way of that. But at the same time, I de- there's definitely something like Cersei knows what it's like to be in Sansa's situation. Um, but just a, a quick thing that I w- wanted to say about Sansa before we move on is that I think that actually... In all her imperfections, she is one of the best um, illustrated characters in the story because she is so flawed and because she is so, so different from, you know, so many of the other characters are, even despite their flaws, they're so brave in a way that you don't, you wouldn't get in the real world. You know, you've got Arya, you've got all the women (laughs) we've already talked about. Um, We've got Tyrion. We've got all these characters who, no matter if they're good or, or bad, they they fight for what they believe in. And then you've got Sansa, who is 
that traditional sort of stereotypical lady who just wants a knight to come and save her and doesn't understand why <laughs> why that's not happening and i feel that is so it's it's so complete that you know you might not like her but you definitely understand her yeah it was refreshing to see her you know for such a for such a duration of time in this episode and it, it felt in a way that 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 maybe that's why this episode felt different just you know it showed those characters characters like her and Again, all the heart-to-hearts, but still just in general, like, I'm thinking, if Sansa is somehow, like, the show's emotional core, like, if the, say there's an overarching point the show's trying to make, and that somehow it's on Sansa's shoulders, like, that would explain why she's hidden away most of the time. Either that or she's a minor character. You know, not important to That's the action. That's interesting. But I'm just I thinking, think like, you know, with, with what you're seeing about Cersei, you know, relating to her, which I completely missed, and then... You know, the rest of what Sense is doing, like, you know, in this episode, taking on this handmaid, even though it's Tyrion's idea. Um, you know, I, I just, I forgot that she was around there, but I was reminded during this episode, and now I really want to see where that goes. I really mm-hmm. want to see more about, but more about Sense. You know, I didn't really care for her all that much last season, and I guess how could you, you know, with what she allowed Joffrey to do? Mm-hmm. But, um, I just think in general, like, uh, now I'm, I don't know, I have renewed faith and hope for her. I mean, at the end of the day, she is a small child. <laughs> and mm. she, uh, that's, you know, you were talking a lot about it, Selena, but she, I never really lost faith in her last season because even though she was a total ass bag, you know, if you read, <laughs> if, if you read the books, you do get to see a lot more from her perspective, which sort of saves a lot of grace within her character. But, I mean, like you were saying, she's just a lady looking for a knight to save her. And, unfortunately, like by this time in the show, she, we know for sure, and we didn't know it for sure last season, but we know it for sure now that she doesn't want it to be Joffrey. She just wants to get the hell out of there, like Arya's doing. And she's taking a wagon and all that stuff with a band of merry men up north. <laughs> Eric knows much about merry men heading up north, right, Eric? Man, you are all merry men. <laughs> We were all merry men this weekend, weren't we, Zach? Yeah, yes, uh, we I was were. talking about your outfit, but yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> that that entire that entire sequence, um, and you know, we we've kind of stepped forward from last week, obviously, as you do in a TV show. But we've stepped forward, and you know, we had the conflict with the Night's Watch camp, and now we have sort of the re- resolution from that conflict, which you know didn't happen immediately. But there was just just incredible incredible scene i thought and it might not have been the most visually striking it definitely wasn't the most visually striking but it was an incredible exchange of dialogue between this child actor and the actor i don't remember his name specifically who plays yorin but Arya and yorin um were just just that dynamic between them and just her her acting like Maisie destroyed it like it was so good i was so impressed and then he pulled a boromir <laughs> yeah i know that was so sad <laughs> god yeah, he did pull Bormir. Yeah, which is much different. And Selena, you can correct me, but I mean, this was different from the books because it's an all-out fight uh, in in the books. It's not just Yorin going to battle uh, by himself. Yeah, alone, yeah. And that was kind of disappointing, I thought, because it would have been cool to kind of see all of these people who are traveling to the Wall kind of rally behind Yorin and, and fight. And even the, the the subsequent scene, I mean, Arya and, and Gendry are, are kind of on the run for a little bit by themselves before they're finally caught. So Yeah, and it's 
that is such an important part of their sort of bonding experience in the book. Like, I loved reading about that, so I was really sad that they skipped that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joran did have a fantastic line, though. What did he say? Something about there are men out there waiting to fuck your corpses, so get fighting or whatever. <laughs> oh, he said. God, that was <laughs> so good. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a Game of Thrones-ism. Yeah. <laughs> get going, boys. It sounds so much better when the Swede says it, though. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it was My that light the, accent. Was that the mountains that showed up i think it was yeah i don't or remember or the tickler that's the mountain you mean the brother <laughs> the tickler. it does in the We're, book oh, as well though please tell us on twitter i'm not exactly sure i don't he's one I, of renley's men really no i never mind. okay okay <laughs> oh, 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 oh okay we well, didn't get oh, that. oh god renley's renley's oh, god. wife that is was... very She's wow. very forgiving. She's very that, forgiving. That she joke. was amazing, wasn't she? You know, she doesn't yeah. care. She doesn't care at no, all. Why does she care? She There's plenty of soldiers outside. She, she's in it for some reason. Well, yeah, like, she's in it for power, baby. That's what she's in it for. Come she on, wants, now. She wants to be. Well, she's already the queen, I guess. Yeah. But then she was like, you want me to get my brother in here to get you started? She was yes. just like, that was wow. That was messed well, up. She, well, she was but being she kind it, of a bitch there. But she, she played was, it. Yeah. Okay, but she played it like... He, she said, "You have enemies, and the best way to, you know, my lord, you, you, the best way to keep your enemies away is for you to put a baby in my belly." She wasn't saying the best way to make me so most powerful is for us to have a kid. She was saying to save yourself, you have to do this. Well, yeah, she's know? not going to say it outright, though. Let's okay, be but I just thought that she, so she plays the game. That's all right. I, you know. Yeah, she's she just does. playing the game. She really yeah. does. And you know what was funny? And I, I guess, Micah, you, you might have an opinion on this as well, but this was one of the, the things that I thought deviated a lot from the book because when I read first about Marguerite Terrell in the books, like, I, I just, I just did not like her at all. But when I read, when I watched the show, I actually felt a lot of sympathy for her. And even she though, yeah, she's definitely playing the game. Not bad to look at either. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a trend of the ladies on the show with you, Selena. You just have a lot of sympathy for them, right? Mm-hmm. I guess so. <laughs> Terrence. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't really remember much of this, though. I think they're, they're building it up a little bit more in the show than I think we read about in the books, at least from what I can recall. Just because I remember Renly's storyline playing itself out very quickly in the oh, book. Oh, no. Oh, they're no. going for a little of that Glee audience is what they're doing. That's what they're trying to get. <laughs> yeah. It makes complete sense. Glee, night, mixed, Glee mixed flowers. with what, like, like hotel erotica or something. I don't know what that I mean, is. Seriously. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I'm just throwing a name out there, but obviously, yeah. you know, come on. <laughs> just off the top of your head. Yeah, just, <laughs> just off the top of my head. I mean, I, I never mind. Anyway, yeah. never mind. Okay. anyway, let's talk about when Homeboy gets stabbed in the throat. All right. Oh, he's, oh. He's like, okay. oh, my leg. There's an arrow in the leg. Uh, help me. I'll you know, shit with he you was guys. kind of a douche, though. If if he didn't, yeah, you know, say. talk the way that he did, he may he might have had a chance. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I, I think kind of a douche. The boy's dying. I mean, not with an arrow. Carry in his leg. He's not dying. I mean, <laughs> carry me. Well, there are a hundred <laughs> men all on horseback. One of them could spare, you know, their horseback. I'm pretty sure, right? I would have said and kill him. But see, hell with my, him. My, is, my concern, yeah. my concern was that he was going to turn the real Gendry in because he found the the bull helmet. And, you know, after everyone has learned that they're that the the men are after the kid who has the bull helmet. So I don't know. 
when he died, I was like, oh, thank God, because he picked it up. You know, he picked it up and was walking around with it, and that was going to cause, you know, trouble if uh, if he were to, to, you know, try and turn Gendry in. That's what I right. thought was going to happen, and then he was injured, and then he died, and then, you know, Arya and, – and believe me, Terrence, you can vouch for this. I called that Arya was going – I said, somebody, please, please, somebody say that boy you just killed so mercilessly was um, – sorry, I said Renly. I meant Gendry, that that right. boy was Gendry. Um, and then Arya Stark did. She was like, Yori got him. I was like, yes. <laughs> yep. He did. <laughs> yep. Thank you. That Jess. was it. That was a good moment. <laughs> <laughs> that story, that story, that story was, was worth telling because you, you backed me up. So, yeah. Thanks. And, uh, I mean, another important moment from that scene was when Arya saves, uh, Jack and Hygar mm-hmm. from the, uh, yes. the cart. Him and his friends. What a cool last name he has, Hygar. Kind of like Hodor. I was Googling this earlier. A lot of people think that he's, uh, well, never mind. We can get to that at a later point. <laughs> because, oh, okay. no, I really want to know. It's going to be another one of those assai moments you're going to get corrected on Twitter, Micah. <laughs> Better just spit it out. That's not how now. you pronounce it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. A shy. He knows everybody. I know that. He, I haven't even read knows. the books. Yeah. But I read all those tweets against you, Mike. <laughs> didn't read the books, but I read the tweets. The tagline for Look, Game of Owns, the podcast. If we had a dollar for every time we pronounced something wrong. Oh, God. But you know oh. what? You guys are so nice in your ratings and reviews uh, and not not make, not being so mean to us for getting things wrong. Because you know what? At the end of the day, we're just humans, too. And, man. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're trying to, like, pr- pronounce ridiculous things from like yeah. a really confusing book so yeah. authors authors try that like Hermione okay again a Harry Potter all right who <laughs> called okay first off I know this is not Game of Thrones related but what did you guys in your earlier years if you started reading before the films what did you call Hermione before you knew I, I how mean, to pronounce it would have had to have been Hermione right I mean Hermione's not a real name, is it? I mean, all right. What about you, Selena? Name. What about Definitely you, Selena? Well, the the Danish um the Danish audiobooks actually pronounce it Hermione, which just sounds like some kind of bad disease. Right. <laughs> right. Well, what oh, about no, you, I've Terrence? I didn't start reading <laughs> the books until I saw the first movie, like. Uh, after it came out. No, 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 but Zach, but Zach, but Zach, I'm the same way, but Zach, so, uh, I no, it's true, it's true, I'm sorry if that leaves a bad terrible. taste in your mouth. Oh I'm telling God. you though, like, without the movies, and I give credit to the movies for this, without this television show, you know, when's it gonna matter, to be honest, how these names are pronounced? Because um, it's, it's a fantasy fiction series, when does it possibly matter, the pronunciation? When you do a podcast about them. That's, well, I mean, matter to who? Matter in your mind? Okay, but, Micah, what did you think Hermione's name was? Excuse I, me, guys. No, I saw the movies first. Man, I thought it was Hermoyne. I know that's dumb, but I just, <laughs> I thought it was Hermoyne. It, it sounds like, like a, it Hermoyne. sounds like a garden creature I know. or something. Wow. I know, I'm stupid. It sounds like a Pokemon. Second evolution. But, okay, so Tolkien, um, gave, Tolkien. had like a pronunciation. Kate, Tolkien. Right, Tolkien. 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 Oh, okay. Does Tolkien him, <laughs> did Tolkien give himself that pronunciation in no, his pronunciation? Just, that's actually how it's spelled, though. Tolkien. Tolkien. Okay. <laughs> he must that's have left when, that out. When two vowels are close to each other, it makes a long sound. English <laughs> language. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I'm saying, okay. So, anyway, this pronunciation key, you know, sometimes we do mispronounce this stuff. Okay. But it's, it's sometimes authors make it a little harder than it has to be with a name like Hermione. That was my only point. 
Okay. Fair point. I thought it was very interesting when Commander Mormont, um, when he was talking to John, they were like, hey, what's up? You just got beat up and thrown into this room. Tell me what happened. And he goes, dudes, I saw them give away babies to people that were eating the babies. And he was like, is that so? And John's like, you knew about it. And so he knew about it. And I thought that that was really interesting. And then it automatically shifts focus from that scene to Sam and Gilly. I really loved that scene. I thought it was it was an uh, it was a very sort of one of those things that could be a bit throwaway, but it was a nice way to establish the bond that they have with each other. And I think the the feelings of of responsibility and protectiveness that Sam has of Gilly, and it also established for the audience that it wasn't Gilly's baby being killed in the last episode because I think quite a few people thought that. Wait, I thought that. Was that not her baby? Was she no, still no, pregnant? No, no, baby. She had that pregnant. baby bump, man. I Well, the baby bump is kind of residual, isn't it? I mean, not all of it, but you're serious. Yeah, that was a, a That's bit true. unclear. That's true. But that wasn't she didn't look he like did... she was pregnant. I mean, Sam looked more pregnant than she did. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what does he give her? Because Terrence and I a were thimble? watching the episode thimble? together. And we thought it was a thimble. And then Terrence, we both, at the same moment, we thought that it was like Hook. And then he had just given yeah, her a kiss. Yeah, he, he pulled her, he just pulled her a, Peter Pan. Sh- yeah. <laughs> Don't you know what a kiss is? I shall want you give one to me. It was <laughs> a dreidel. He's Jewish, guys. Come on. <laughs> was it a dreidel? No, it wasn't a dreidel. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's a thimble. Okay, that's thimble. what I thought. Because he yeah. was talking about sewing and things like that. It's yeah, his mother's, well, I believe. It, but it had a nipple on it at the end of it. But in that world, they have nipple thimbles, man. So that, man, so that works. I gotta get me one of those. Yeah, you do. <laughs> no, it was a really uh, sort of. It was a. It was a very. I don't know. What did I think of? Uh, it was a very intimate exchange that they had, which I thought was interesting because she, she he talks wanna... so much about women, sort of, sort of, sort of, um, in the last season, and then you touch on it a little bit in this season, and then he's just like, you know what? He's like, I don't know how to talk to girls. It's like Sam. You know how to talk to girls, bro, because you were just spitting some mad game on that girl just then. Yeah, but, I mean, the only game that that girl has been seeing is her father, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, her father's got game, apparently, man. Look at all that shit. Okay, okay, but why does the uh, Grandmaster of the Wall, okay, the Night's Watch, <laughs> why am I get his title wrong every time, I promise? <laughs> um, why did he let that happen? His, his line to Jon Snow was, we need people like him. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Why do we need, need people like him? Yeah. Yes. Why? Why? And, and do they mean for housing when they're north of the wall and shit's all scary and tense? Partially like, for warmth. Okay, but what else could he? What else did he mean by that? We need people like him because, you know, ultimately, and I argued this myself that Craster was a sympathetic character by by the end of you know, the revelation at the end of last week's episode. But I'm still thinking now that. You know, based on the justification that was given, I'm with Jon Snow in this whole thing. Like, that's really heinous what they're doing well, to those well, kids. Well, yeah, Eric, it's definitely heinous. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's a kingdom north of the wall. It's like that's like when Harry gets pissed, and I'm bringing up Harry Potter, or whatever. It's like when Harry gets pissed that shit's happening that he doesn't really like. It's just like, well, it's none of your business, man. Like, stay out of it. You know, like you're not the guy who does everything like some shit's going down and if you let them do what they're doing then you'll be able to have safe passage and you'll won't disrupt the flow of how they have things happening up there i guess i guess it comes from i guess it comes from not knowing what the night's watch is doing north of the wall um that i'm like well okay so now they have safe passage but to where until they find the you know the next person that's sacrificing their kids to 
to the White Walkers. And, like, very clearly the White Walkers are up there. They still exist. There's some stuff that's going to go down, or maybe it won't go down for a really long time. But all the all this tension is getting to me. I find myself cracking. Well, I think, like, Selena pointed out on the last episode that I don't know that it's ever explicitly stated that this is what's happening. It was always kind of inferred. And I think that Craster does it because he has to do it. I mean, it's the only way that he can sustain in the area that he is, that he's in, because there are white walkers that are living around him and clearly would easily kill him and all of his family unless he continued to do what he's doing. But why make the deal with the White Walkers? I mean, I mean, I understand. I get the whole thing about if you know if he doesn't give them what the White Walkers want, they're going to kill him. But why? Why would the White Walkers want to make a deal with him? I don't. What's in it for them? I think he Bodies. just appeases them. I think that's what it is. Yeah, Food? exactly. Like he, they know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I still don't know what they use the babies for. But I suppose they know in their whatever capacity for thought. That as long as they leave him alone, he'll leave Could them alone. Could those be the children of the forest that were mentioned, or is that something completely different? You know, the children that I are sacrificed. I think that's something else. Sacrificed to the forest. But I'm not sure. Okay. I didn't know because, again, I just, again, my ears perked up. I was like, dragons, okay, we know they exist. Mm. But, and giants, mm-hmm. I don't really care if they exist or not in this world. Children of the forest, I was like, what? Where? You know, I was like, what? Are they- <laughs> no, I think children of the forest. Are something else. Like, as I'm, far I'm thinking as I of like tree nymphs or something. It's like the kokiri is what you're thinking of. <laughs> right. Which I, I like that kind of theory, Eric. But I would say that they're probably something different. As this episode draws to its impending death of a close, as what is the next week's episode called? By the way, hopefully it has something to do with the Garden of Bones, right? Garden of Bones. Oh, yes. So it has so... something to do with death. There we go. So my joke makes sense, sort of. Anyway, um, as we have been doing in the past three episodes, which is all that has ever existed of the Game of Bones podcast, we want to leave you guys with our own personal owns of the week, and we would like to know what your owns of the week are. Now we've had a few people give them to us on Twitter, some in Facebook comments. It really doesn't matter. We'll see it either way. So I guess we can go in a circle. You want to go ahead and we'll, we'll go we'll just go Eric, Terrence, Selena, Micah, then myself on uh, personal owns of the week. Ready, ready, ready? Okay, my own of the week is Master Lewin uh, and his little heart-to-heart with Bran and the idea that Master Lewin had to practice magic when he was when he was young and particularly the statement that he said that there maybe used to be more magic than there was in this world than there is you know currently. So I, I like the implications of that. My own of the week is the sea bitch. We thought she'd be perfect for you, <laughs> Yara. Yara says it to me. <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. My own of the week. I'm not going to take uh, the Tyrion one because I think one of you guys might want that. I am going with Brienne in general, owning Loras and becoming a member of the Rainbow Guard because I thought that was <laughs> Rainbow awesome. Guard. Rainbow Guard. No, that that is really what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. It I is. Know. Yeah, I'm not just saying that. Sounds like something off of Mario. No, mine is Catelyn when she's talking to Loras Tyrell and she says, "My son is fighting a war, not playing at one." Damn. Hmm. Damn. Yeah, there should have been more reaction to that. Damn, I think, girl. By the public. You know. Oh no! I mean, it's Lady Stark. You know, yeah. they're not gonna do shit to her. Not them. Some other people will, though. Zach, what's your own? <laughs> oh man. 
I don't. I mean, you have to go with the Tyrion like no, owning. Yeah, that everybody. was good, but he didn't like. He didn't. Nothing huge came out of it yet. I agree. Like, not nothing. I you know what he was doing. He wasn't only lying down a, an own on those three people, but he was possibly putting in motion uh, pieces, big pieces of this kingdom disliking the Lannister, like disliking his sister. You know what I mean? Like he was doing a lot more than just saying F you, you three. He was saying, Hey, this <laughs> shit, if this shit goes through, you're all going to look really stupid and I'm just going to laugh about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would say it's an own if that actually happened, but I don't know. I, I'm going to have to go with the own as, as much as I don't want to say it when homeboy stabs the kid in the throat with a knife. I mean, that was, that was pretty <laughs> own worthy. Oh, that's a hard it, it, it is. He was just like, hey, oh, your leg? That sucks. And he just slides it in calmly and pulls it out. And they're all just laughing. He's like, oh, that was fun. And just that's walks off. Said. And he's just gurgling and you know, giggling and doing his whole thing. Grass. I just thought that was the own of Yorin the got owned, too. We didn't really talk about the blade going through the top of his head. Yeah, but he killed oh, like five people before that happened. That's so it, it like balances it out. You know what I mean? I How about the crossbow bones. comment then? Oh, that was the own of the week. They that was perfect. To reload, I've always he, he gets shot. I've always hated crossbows. <laughs> he kills the dude. They take forever to reload. That's it. That's mine. Thank you, Micah, for the save. That's the shit. If you guys have one that differs from ours or matches up ours, either way, you know where to send them to us. Twitter.com slash Game of Owns or Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. We had a few people email us at our staff of owns. At GameOfOwns.com email, which still does not yet exist. So for the time <laughs> being, please just email contact at Game of Owns because I've been busy. And I don't think that a superfluous email is at the top of my to-do list uh, ever. So Superfluous? It was perfect. Anyway, I can hear the music. That's because of, it's probably being edited in at this moment very appropriately. And that is it for this week of the Game of Owns podcast. Popularly categorized as Game of Owns. Don't forget to comment on iTunes, which also includes you giving a review, and five stars would be a very, very kind and kindred spirit sort of thing to do if you would much so desire that. And if you have a friend, have them do it as well, and you guys can go have lunch together and share tuna sandwiches. I am Zach Louie. I am Eric Skull. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. I'm Selena Wilkin. And I am the Terrence Pinkston. Don't, don't, forget, <laughs> ears. don't forget about the children of the forest. <laughs> the nymphs. Uh, 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 been, we forgotten. are the children of the forest. Uh,